Well, welcome you guys uh, to Breakthrough Church. So glad you guys are here. Uh, Before we jump in, one thing we want to reiterate. So we are doing this series called Unveiling the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's been a two-month series. We're diving in. Uh, Today, we're actually about to be halfway through the series. Uh, But at the end of the series, we're doing a Q&R, which is a question and response time. And uh, we know that this topic of the Holy Spirit, for a lot of people, maybe you're used to it, maybe you're not, maybe you're confused, uh, maybe there's things that we've taught on, they're like, I need a little bit more clarification on that, or I don't understand that, or this is my experience. Uh, so can you put that slide up? Uh, the last Sunday of this series, uh, on November 11th, we are going to have a Q&R, and uh, we're going to, I'm going to respond to what questions you guys submit. So I know there's been like a million QR codes today, but if you guys want to scan this, um, you don't have to fill it out right now, but scan it just so you guys have it. And uh, at the end of the series, we're going to filter through all the questions um, and we'll have a time to respond. Even if you're not going to be here for November 11th, you can listen back to your question on our podcast. Uh, so I encourage you guys to scan that, whatever questions. Um, I think last time, Dana, we did a Q&R on our last series, and it was such a fun time. Um, I feel like it brought a lot of clarity and uh, just unity in our church. So submit your questions, put some good ones um, maybe get a little controversial. We'll see. We'll have fun with it. All right. So let's jump in. Today uh, is part five of our series, Unveiling the Holy Spirit. Uh, we taught on the person of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, the holiness of the Spirit, the church of the Spirit. What does it mean to be a, a Spirit-filled church? We talked about that last Sunday. And uh, today we're going to talk about the voice of the Spirit, the voice of the Spirit. I want to start here, and I want to make this statement that one of the most damaging lies that's crept into the church is the belief that God no longer moves and speaks today. I would say that is one of the most damaging lies that has crept into the church. And I want to explain why this is damaging, not because it's different than my preferences, it's actually so much deeper than that, not only because I think it's actually very unbiblical, But this lie is damaging, not only because it limits our ability to hear from God, but in believing this lie, we've actually ignored and dismissed the very person who speaks the voice of God. Imagine if I was to say to someone, hey, I acknowledge you exist, but I don't want to hear you talk. Imagine if someone said that to your spouse. (laughs) Hey, I I acknowledge that person, but I don't want to talk to them. Their voice, I don't want to listen to their voice. This is what we've done. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, he says, Do not quench the Spirit. This is not a suggestion. (laughs) It says, Do not quench the Spirit. That when we reject His voice... We quench the Spirit because it's the Spirit who speaks the voice of God to us. We'll get into that in a second. But here, Paul is saying, do not quench the Spirit. This means, the word quench means to extinguish, to suck dry, or to restrain. The NLT says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. You know what the word stifle means? It means to suffocate or to make unable to breathe. So when we quench the spirit, this isn't just, yeah, I just don't want to like 
be passionate in worship. It's this deep belief system. The Holy Spirit, I don't want you to do what you want to do. And I don't want you to say what you want to say. I want to live in independence from you. And if you hear last Sunday, we talked that the Spirit is the breath, right? He's the ruah. And he's also the wind of the church. He's the life and he's the power of the church. And so when we quench the spirit, what we're doing is we're quenching our ability to receive life and power. Who knows, we need a church that is full of life. We need a church that is full of power. Look around the world. So this long time ago, if the world is getting darker, the church has to get brighter. We need the Holy Spirit. And when I say this, it's not saying, okay, we need an expression, we need a preference, we need a style. No, we need the person of the Spirit. And this is where the lie has crept in, is if we don't believe the Spirit's a person, then we're not gonna believe he can speak. And we may theologically accept, yeah, he's part of the Trinity, so yeah, sure, he's a person. But we actually have to know him as a person. So if the spirit is the breath and life of the church, when we quench him, we're actually quenching the life he wants to give us, which in turn is only damaging ourselves. So let's go to John 16, 12 to 13. And I want to make a, a case for the voice of the spirit. I want to make a case for the fact that you can hear from God. I think a lot of people in our church believe that. If you kind of break through kind of know what you're signing up for, right? But there may be some people in the room where you don't know. You don't know where you stand. Maybe you grew up in a cessationist environment where the Holy Spirit stopped after Scripture. And I want to make a case for the voice of the Spirit. So John 16, 12 to 13, this is Jesus. And he says this. He says, I have much more to say to you. <laughs> I love that. Jesus is saying, I have so much more that I want to tell you more than you can now bear. But when he, not it, say he, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not what? Speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So Jesus is teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, it's better for you that I leave because if I don't leave the paraclete or the comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come. And it's actually better for you to leave or for me to leave so the Holy Spirit can come. He's telling them that there's so much more Jesus wants to tell his disciples. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide them and us into all he wants to say. And he will tell us what is yet to come. That the Holy Spirit, listen, continues the conversation. The Holy Spirit continues the conversation. He says, I'm only going to speak what I hear Jesus and the Father saying. 
that the Holy Spirit gives us access to the truth that God is speaking to us and over us. Guys, breakthrough wouldn't be here. My marriage wouldn't exist. My calling wouldn't have been revealed if it wasn't for the voice of the Spirit or the Word of God in my life. I think a lot of us can agree. If it wasn't for the voice of God, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have pulled through. You wouldn't have made it. You wouldn't be in Lynchburg. You wouldn't be in this church. You wouldn't have been set free if it wasn't for the voice of the Spirit. And for a lot of us, we actually have been hearing the voice of the Spirit, but we don't acknowledge that it was him speaking. So I want to break this down, that in Scripture, the phrase, the Word of God, has two different meanings. When it says that, I, that he received a word from the Lord or a word from God, right, and God was speaking to someone in Scripture, uses the phrase, the Word of God, and this phrase, word of God, it, uh, it, we, there's two separate meanings that we see in scripture. The more commonly known of these two is the Greek word logos. In the New Testament, logos is used to refer to the constant written word which is recorded in the Bible. That logos can be thought of as the total message of God to man. This is why Jesus is that message embodied, and which is why he is called the Logos or the Word of God, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word is God. But there is another Greek word used for the Word of God, and it's rhema. Can you say rhema? Rhema, which is used to refer to the instant personal speaking voice of God. Rhema also means something that has been uttered by a living voice. That his written word or his logos is a record of his speaking. But it doesn't end there. He continues to speak to us today and he wants to speak directly to us. It's by knowing the logos word through the spirit that we can learn to hear the rhema word of God. So Logos is what God has already said, and Rhema is what God is currently saying. And I want to make this clear that we shouldn't elevate one over the other, that we need both hand in hand to personally know and walk with God. R.A. Torrey, he says this quote, he says, the secret of effectual living is knowing the power of the Spirit through the Word. The secret of effectual service is using the Word in the power of the Spirit. There are some who seek to magnify the Spirit but neglect the Word. This will not do at all. Fantasism, baseless enthusiasm, wildfire are the result. Others seek to magnify the Word but largely ignore the Spirit. Neither will this do. It leads to dead orthodoxy, truth without life and power. So, in the context for today's message, I want to specifically highlight the rhema word of God, the personal speaking voice of God, which we hear through his spirit. Guys, we need the personal speaking voice of God to lead us through life's difficulties and challenges, to step into our calling, to lead our family, to gain wisdom, to understand truth, and to see his kingdom ushered here on earth. So before we keep going, I want to make this statement that if you don't value the voice of God, you won't have a strong prayer life. It is actually impossible to have a prayer life without the voice of God. I might say that if you struggle with prayer, you struggle 
with having a prayer life, not just a prayer moment at church, not just a prayer encounter, but a prayer lifestyle, is you have to value the voice of God. And, and I wanna say this message, I know for a lot of people, maybe you're here and you're like, I already know all this stuff, I know the voice of God, all that stuff. I feel like there's a refreshing that the Lord wants to bring today. That there's people maybe who have quenched the spirit unknowingly. Maybe there's people where you know the voice of God, but you actually haven't valued the voice of God. And who knows that when you don't value something, you don't really give it, give it the, the, the honor it deserves. You don't protect it. You don't guard it. <laughs> I, I recently got an iPhone 15. You don't have an iPhone 15? No. This is not a flex, I promise. But I got a new iPhone 15. I had iPhone 12 for like years. And I was like, my, my back camera stopped working. I don't know, I sat on it or something and it broke. And I was like, I need to get a new phone because I got to take pictures of you know, my cute kids and all that. And uh, so I upgraded it and it was so much nicer than my old phone. My old phone had cracks camera didn't work as nasty. But I got my new phone and uh, I got it right before I went to vacation. So I wasn't able to get a case, wasn't able to get a screen protector. You know, when you get the phone, they're like 50 bucks for no reason because they can milk you. So I'm like, I need to get on Amazon, but I don't have time because we're going on vacation. So I got my new phone, brought with me, no case, no screen protector. And the entire time, I was like, ugh. Like I was so careful. It's like, even putting in my pocket, I was like, oh, I'm sitting down, I need to take my phone out and sit down because I don't want to sit on my, my phone. Like, I was so careful with my new phone because I, I didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> I just got it, it's new, it's nice. Because I valued it, I protected it. Because I valued it, I, I, I made sure I was aware of, of not misusing it. We have to have the same perspective with the voice of the Lord, that, that same perspective. Yeah, maybe you've heard this your whole life. You've heard sermons on this. You grew up in a spirit-filled church and you heard the voice of the Lord. But I feel today the Lord wants to give us a fresh value and honor for the voice of the Lord. So again, if you don't value the voice of God, you won't have a strong prayer life. And who knows your prayer life is the most important part of your life. Jesus says, my house will be a house of what? Of prayer. What is that saying? My people, those who gather around me will be a people of prayer, not a people of evangelism, which is important, not a people of worship, which is important, not a people of community, which is important, but a people of prayer. That God doesn't just invite us to communicate to him, he invites us to communicate with him. That every human, I think we can agree, is created with an innate desire and longing to be heard and known. Every single human being, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, every human being has an innate desire. You are created, you are knit in your mother's womb. You are designed to want to be heard, to want to be known. And so talking to God, which for most people, we just think prayer is just talking to God. Talking to God fulfills the part of us that desires to be heard. But God talking to us fulfills the innate desire to be known. This is what prayer looks like. 
is us talking to God, us telling him our concerns, us inviting him into our decisions, us saying, God, I am sad. God, I am mourning. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm alone. God, I'm afraid. It's you talking to God that allows you to feel heard because we know that he hears us, but then it's God talking to us, bringing the comfort, bringing the clarity, bringing his presence, bringing his friendship. It's him speaking that allows us to be known. That we can't suffice to just be heard by God. We have to be known by God. And so to thrive and live as human beings, we have to feel heard and known. This is why we need the rhema word of God. Let's go to Matthew 4, 4. Jesus says this, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Word here is not logos, it's rhema. Do Greek study. It's not logos, it's rhema. So what Jesus is saying is that he's saying that we cannot live and sustain our lives apart from the rhema or voice of the spirit. That we have scripture. I need to reiterate this because someone's going to take me out of context. Be like, man, breakthrough, they don't use scripture and believe in scripture. That without the spirit, scripture is a closed book. We have history. We have information. We know God's will. We know what God wants. But without the spirit, scripture is not living and active. It says that all scripture is what? God breathed. What is the breath? It's the spirit. That everything that is written in scripture is inspired by the spirit. The spirit inspired all of the authors to write what they are written. And as we read, Jesus says, my words are life and spirit. As we read what the spirit inspires, while knowing the spirit, what he says then becomes living and active. All right. So Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus is saying we cannot live and sustain our lives apart from the rhema of the Spirit. Think about the significance of what this means. Matthew 6.11, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. Again, right? His disciples could have asked them anything. Teach us how to walk on water. Teach us how to raise the dead. Teach us how to do this. But they said, teach us how to pray. Right? There's something about Jesus' prayer life that was more impactful and powerful than them just seeing a dead person raised. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus says this, give us today, say today, our daily bread. Our daily bread. Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Guys, if you are only getting a word from God one day a week, you are spiritually starving. That God wants us to freshly speak to you each and every day. And so many of us are living off of yesterday's bread, off of stale bread, off of, man, the encounter that I had 10 years ago, and you keep re repeating the same encounter, and everyone in the entire church knows that encounter because that's all you can share. 
When he's like, I want to give you daily bread. He wants to speak and lead us not just in life's big decisions, but also in the small moments of our everyday life. His voice isn't just for when we think something is worthy of his voice. It's a relationship. Same thing with my wife. I don't just go to my wife, hey, should we buy this house? That's the only time I ask her for something. That's the only time I talk to her. But it's in the moments of, hey, man, I was lonely today. (laughs) Hey, that really was hard. Hey, does this outfit look good? But she says yes. But the point is, it's in not just in the big things that we need God's voice, it's in the everyday moments. It says, man cannot live on bread alone, but every rhema that comes from the mouth of God. Let's go to Romans 10, 17. It says this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the what? The word of Christ. Word there is not logos, it's rhema. It's not logos, it's rhema. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the voice of God concerning Jesus. Let me break this down. Have you ever said or you've heard a Christian say, I don't hear from God? If that's true, then you wouldn't be saved. Because we're saved by the Spirit's invitation to know Jesus. Whether you attribute it to his voice or not, it says that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the rhema of Christ. Someone can preach the gospel. This is natural voice, right? This is human language. Someone can preach the gospel But as you're hearing it, the spirit, tracking, is speaking, and he's inviting you to know Jesus. Me in my own strength, proclaiming the gospel as clear as I can, has no power apart from the spirit. Right? Not by power, not by might, but by the spirit, says the Lord. And so faith comes through hearing and hearing through the rhema of Christ that the voice of the Spirit authored your salvation. Whether you responded to an altar call or reading scripture, you heard his voice when you responded. And if his voice initiates faith, his voice sustains faith, right? He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Ephesians 6, 16 to 17, I wanna stay on this. This is a well-known passage Right, we all do this in Sunday school, the armor of God, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation. There's no pants for whatever reason, but that's fine. We'll figure that out. <laughs> right, we know this passage. And it says this in 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. This is in the context of spiritual warfare or or protection against the enemy. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. Interesting. The same way we can quench the spirit's voice, we can quench the enemy's voice. 
right? Quench means to extinguish, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the what? Word of God. You ready for this? It's not logos. It's rhema. And yes, we can hear the rhema through the logos. The spirit inspired Paul to write rhema. I think that most Christians can agree that the enemy attacks us by making us believe lies. Who here, you can, yeah, I understand that. The enemy attacks people, Christians, by making us believe lies, which I feel like it doesn't matter what denomination you are. I think most people can agree. Yeah, the enemy attacks us by making us believe lies. Okay. Which in essence means most Christians believe that the enemy can speak. Right, has anyone ever heard something so far out of left field or had a lie or a thought that didn't feel like it was you, but you heard it? That's the voice of the enemy. Jesus says this in John 8, 44, when he, referring to the devil, lies, he speaks. He doesn't write a note and hope you find it. He speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. If we believe the enemy can speak, (laughs) how much more can God speak? So this whole thing, God doesn't speak. What, What is happening is we've actually elevated the enemy's voice. We've actually given more understanding and belief, faith means to put your weight onto something. We've actually put more faith that the enemy can speak, but God can't speak because the canon is closed. Doesn't mean he's going to add to scripture. We get that. But the rhema is the personal speaking voice of God. Okay. So let's go back to Ephesians 6. You guys okay? So he says here that the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. This is so interesting because Paul is giving all these descriptions of different things you're supposed to put on. Helmet, breastplate, all these things, right? Boots of, of salvation, all these things. But then he says, in the sword of the spirit. He's not saying, now put on your sword. He's not saying, okay, he's saying put on your shield, Put on your helmet, but then he's saying, and then the sword, which is the spirits. Okay, what does this mean? The sword of the spirit. So the the sword actually belongs to the spirit. What does this mean? That the weapon of the spirit is the rhema word or voice of God. That if the enemy attacks by speaking, then how the spirit fights for us and destroys the attempts of the enemy is through his active, present voice. Think about this. When Jesus returns, it says that he has a sword in his mouth. That his voice is the weapon that the Spirit uses to fight for us and with us.
that if we don't believe and value the voice of the spirit, then we will always be on the defense and never on the offense. We will always be a victim. We will always be on the offense. We'll always be stuck in guilt. We'll always be stuck in shame. We'll always be the problem. We'll always be in fear. We'll always be in worry if we don't realize the weapon that the spirit has for us which is his voice. Jesus says, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. That if you've ever had a moment where you're about to make a horrible decision or you're about to give into temptation or say something you're not supposed to, but you feel convicted or the Lord stops you, it's because you have the sword of the spirit, God's voice to cut through the noise and lies and to lead you into victory and freedom. And church, it's time to start wielding the sword. So I want to break down the difference, because I think this is helpful, the difference of the tone of the voice of the spirit and the tone of the enemy's voice. I know we've all probably seen some kind of diagram about this. But I, I want to actually just biblically back this, not just what I think. So the Holy Spirit's voice lines up with the fruit of the Spirit. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is the nature of Jesus or, or the character of the Spirit. And who knows, out of the overflow of your mouth, the heart speaks. So out of the overflow of the nature of the Spirit, he speaks. So this is the tone of the Spirit's voice based off of Galatians 5, 22 to 23. And the Spirit is the opposite. I don't need to give a verse by verse for that. The spirit is the opposite voice. And who knows, tone is so important. Have you ever texted someone and you're like, man, that was really rude because they put K, <laughs> period. You don't, yeah. It's a text. But tone is important, Right? How you say something is important. So how we can discern the difference of the voice, the spirit of the enemies is the tone. So the Holy Spirit's voice lines up with the fruit of the spirit. So let me read this. The spirit's voice is loving, or the tone of the enemy's voice is hateful. The spirit's voice is joyful, whereas the enemy's voice is hopeless. The spirit's voice is peaceful, whereas the enemy's voice is anxious. The spirit's voice is patient, whereas the enemy's voice is hurried. The spirit's voice is kind, where the enemy's voice is accusing. The spirit's voice is good, where the enemy's voice is confusing. The spirit's voice is faithful, whereas the enemy's voice is untruthful. The spirit's voice is gentle, where the enemy's voice is shaming. The spirit's voice is self-controlled, whereas the enemy's voice is pressuring. So just by looking at this list, whose voice is louder in your life? Whose voice are you listening to the most? Because whichever voice you listen to the most is the voice that's speaking the loudest. Has heard of the term selective hearing? <laughs> you don't gotta listen to it if you don't want to.
which voice is operating the most in your life? The spirits or the enemies? And the only way, if you're saying, man, I'm stuck in the enemy's camp, I'm stuck with hearing the enemy's voice, that is definitely the loudest voice in my life. How do you fight that? The sword of the spirit. It's by hearing the real voice, the true voice. A.W. Tozer, he says this, God is a person. And in the deep of his mighty nature, he thinks, wills, enjoys, feels, loves, desires, and suffers as any other person may. In making himself known to us, he stays by the familiar pattern of personality. He communicates with us through avenues of our minds, our wills, and our emotions. The continuous and unembarrassed interchange of love and thought between God and the soul of the redeemed man and woman is the throbbing heart of the New Testament. So the way God speaks, of course, is different for everyone because everyone is different. But oftentimes it can be through a small whisper in your conscience or a feeling. For some people, it's a thought that rushes in and it's nowhere close to what you were thinking about. Sometimes it's through a dream. Sometimes it's a picture that you see either with your eyes open or your eyes closed. Sometimes it's a sense of peace or joy that covers your body in a moment of chaos. Sometimes it's wisdom in a situation. That knowing God's rhema, present, speaking voice is just like learning a new language. It takes time, it takes practice, but most of all, it takes faith. It takes faith. So I want to read 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3, 1 to 10. And I want to equip us, how do... We hear the voice of the Spirit. How do we hear the voice of the Spirit? How do we hear the voice of God? I'm going to read 1 Samuel 3, uh, 1 to 10. I'm just going to read through this and I'm going to break it down. 1 Samuel 3, 1 to 10 says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord, right, or the voice of God was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was laying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli, right, who was his mentor, and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Verse eight, a third time the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, this was his mentor. He told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you say, speak Lord for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, 
Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. So how do we hear the voice of the Spirit? Obviously, we live in the new covenant. The Holy Spirit now dwells within you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have more access than Samuel ever did. That the voice of the Lord is not rare. He's active and he's present. So how do we hear the voice of the Lord based off of this story? Number one, in verse one, it says that, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. Verse two says, one night Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out. This is it. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. So number one, how do we hear the voice of the Spirit is by being in his presence. By being in his presence. That Samuel and Eli, Eli was a priest. Samuel was learning under him. Samuel was literally sleeping in the tabernacle. That would be a pretty great place to sleep, right? right? He was near the Ark of the Covenant. The veil was still there, but he was in proximity to the presence that the voice of God is connected with the presence of God. The stronger God's presence is in my life, the clearer the voice of God is. The more disconnected we are from the Lord, the harder it is for me to hear his voice. And I wanna say this, that if it's hard to hear his voice, it's not because God is pulling away from you. It's because there's things that have been built up that has caused you to pull away from him. And he's speaking, Samuel, he didn't recognize it. Samuel, he didn't recognize it. Samuel, he didn't recognize it. So the first thing is by being in his presence. Let's keep going. Verse four, the Lord called out, Samuel, Samuel, jump to verse six. And the Lord called out again, Samuel, Samuel. He got up, went to Eli. Samuel said, I didn't call you, go back to bed. So you ready for this? This is a very spiritual number two. How do we hear the voice of the Spirit? By being in a place of rest. By being in a place of rest and stillness. My uh, mentor, he said this line to me one time that marked me. He said, revelation comes to the rested. Revelation comes to the rested. This is why, right, when we looked at that list, that the enemy's voice is hurried. Hey, if you don't do this, you're going to miss out. If, if you don't hurry up, you're going to miss your moment. Yes, God will push you to do things, but he's not hurried. You know, Jesus was never in a hurry. He was never in a hurry to the point that someone literally died waiting for him to show up because he was so not in a hurry. That there's something about being in a place of rest and stillness that we can hear and know the Lord. When you think of the people of Israel, the Lord gave them the Sabbath day for them to learn how to rest. Some of you guys, if you're struggling with hearing God's voice, and maybe just as practical as this, is you need to slow down. You're too hurried. You're piling your days with too many things. You need a place of rest and stillness so that you can even recognize his voice. The third thing, it says in verse seven, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. So the third thing is by knowing, we know God's voice, by knowing the nature 
and character of God. That we can't understand his voice if we don't know what he's like. If you don't know what God is like, this is foundational. If you don't know what God's nature is like, you'll never know if it's his voice or not. This is why we need to be in his presence. When we say be in his presence, this isn't like an ethereal thing. It's the same way I'm right now, I'm in Nathan's presence. I can't know Nathan from a distance. You can't know God from a distance. You need to be in his presence. It's in his presence, it's through the logos, it's through scripture that we know the nature and character of God. It's through scripture that we can know that the rhema isn't contradictory, right? We need scripture. So the third thing is by knowing the nature and character of God. Let's go to verse eight, it says this. So the Lord called a third time. The Lord called a third time. The fourth way we can hear the voice of the Spirit is by being aware of what he keeps repeating. By being aware of what he keeps repeating. That God's word does not return void and he often repeats what we're not responding to. Let me say that again. He often repeats what we're not responding to. And sometimes we don't hear God because we're still ignoring the last thing he said. God, can you tell me what I'm supposed to do in this situation? So, well, I actually already told you what to do in that situation and you didn't really listen then. So how about you go do that first? Then I can actually trust you in my voice. Guys, there's things that the Lord has spoken to you. I don't have to be prophetic to say this. There's things the Lord has spoken for you to do, to step into, to forgive, to confess, to volunteer, to serve, to do. And for so many of us, we've just ignored it. Who knows, when you ignore someone's voice, you ignore the person. Does anyone like being ignored? No. When you ignore someone's voice, you're ignoring the person. And I think for a lot of people, that's a piece why it might be hard to hear the Lord's voice is because you've ignored the last thing that he said. Verse nine, it says this. So Eli heard for the third time or Samuel heard for the third time and he went to Eli and Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling. Verse nine says, so he said to Samuel, go lie down again. If someone calls, say speak for your servant is listening. So the fifth way we can know or hear the spirit's voice is by checking what you hear with trusted leaders. Checking what you hear with trusted leaders leaders, that you can invite brothers and sisters into what you think you're hearing, but there's something about leaders that you trust, are submitted to, who have gone before you, who have a track record of hearing, hearing God's voice that the Lord has put in place, whether that's in your home groups, whether that's your pastors, whether that's your team leaders, whether that's your mentors in your life, God's saying, hey, check with them. I know for me, I've shared this, but a few years ago when Breakthrough was about to close down because I was like, we're not growing. There's like 20 people and it's not about numbers, but it was just like, God, we're doing everything. We're putting all of the effort and it just feels like we're not going anywhere. Has your hand lifted off of us? Is it time for us to move? What's going on? And what I did was I just talked to my mentor 
hey, this is what's happening. None of this makes sense. I need your wisdom. And he spoke very clearly. And it's what led into the fact we're in Levita. So check what you hear with trusted leaders. The last one, you guys ready? And Eli told Samuel to say this, speak, your servant is listening. So the last point of how we recognize the voice of the spirit or the tone of the spirit is by responding and obeying his voice. Is by responding and obeying his voice. Dallas Willard, he says that our failure to hear his voice when we want to is due to the fact that we do not in general want to hear it, that we only want it when we think we need it. If you only try to hear God's voice when you need it or when something bad is happening, right? We, we all know that. A lot of people just pray when something bad is happening. That there is a posture that has to be had if you want to have God's voice speaking in your life is that you have to respond and obey when he speaks. If he says, hey, go pray for that person, you have to be obedient. And this is how, this is very practical right here. This is how you build a track record of even knowing that you are hearing God's voice is you have to obey it. If you never obey God's voice, you'll never know if you're hearing it in the first place. This isn't, I'm not saying start big, right? I'm not saying, okay, you, the first thing you heard, go do it. Even in the small things, hey, go pray for that person. Okay, I know that's God's will. God wants this person to be loved. So I'm gonna obey and you never know what might happen. Oh, I need to go make this connection with this person. Oh, I need to reach out to this person. Oh, I need to, I need to go pray right now because something's gonna happen, right? It says this in scripture that the spirit will tell you what is going to happen, what is about to come. So we need his spirit and his voice. And so reading all this, I'm gonna recap that how we hear the voice of the spirit is by one, being in his presence, two, being in a place of rest and stillness, three, by knowing the nature and character of God, four, by being aware of what he keeps repeating, five, by checking what you hear with trusted leaders, and six, by responding and obeying his voice. And think about this, this is Samuel, this is the person who was the last judge became a king, was a priest. He's one that anointed King David. His whole life was marked as a kid. He was a kid, as a kid, because he heard and responded to the voice of the Lord. So I have our worship team come up and I want to just create space because I think this is important. For people maybe who've never heard God's voice or maybe you haven't in a while Maybe you need God's voice. Maybe you think you hear God's voice, but you need something fresh. I want to make space for the Spirit to speak. And so I'm going to pray, and I just want to invite you guys just to engage with what the Lord is leading. So Holy Spirit, we just say, come and speak, for your servants are listening. We want your voice. We want to know what you have to say. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's not what I want to hear. Guys, if you 
are never corrected or challenged by the Lord, you're probably not hearing his voice. If his, if his voice only sounds like your voice, then it's probably not his. Lord, we give you permission to correct us, to set us on the right path. We give you permission to convict us of sin, of unbelief. Holy Spirit, we repent for not valuing your voice in our lives, for just seeing it as a commodity. I'm seeing it as just an accessory. But Lord, your word says that your voice is life full of life, that we cannot live on bread alone, but by every word from your mouth. And so Lord, I ask right now that people in this room that feel death, feel lack, feel emptiness, that your voice would speak life. I want you guys to engage with this. Don't get distracted. Press in, you and the Lord, you and the Lord. Holy Spirit, we just make space for you to speak. This sense that there's people in this room that have just been waiting for God to speak about a certain situation. I feel the Lord wants to give you clarity this morning. Lord, would you just speak? Lord, we want your presence in this room. Would you bring us into a place of rest and stillness? Holy Spirit, would you show us what Jesus is actually like? Show us the face of the one who speaks. Lord, whatever we're not hearing, would you just repeat it right now? Lord, would you show us people and leaders in our lives that we can trust to share what we're hearing or what we've been hearing. And Lord, we choose to obey and respond to your voice. Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you speak? Would you speak? Would you speak? That faith comes from hearing and hearing through the rhema of Christ. So Lord, I ask just even people in this room, 
who are wrestling with unbelief, people in this room who are doubting, people in this room that maybe don't even believe that you are God, Holy Spirit, only you can do it. Would you author faith in the room? Would you speak? Would you just put a burning in their hearts? Would you tangibly meet them? And would you speak and reveal who you are? Lord, we know you're doing it all around the world. Would you do it in this room? Would you reveal yourself? Would your voice be a sword right now, Lord? Would your voice be a sword right now? And would it cut through? And would it divide truth from lies? Truth about who you are from lies that we've believed. Truth about who we are from lies that we've believed. Holy Spirit, we allow your voice to do surgery right now in our belief systems and our mindsets. Oh, we need your voice. We need your voice. We just say that your voice is life. Oh, we need fresh life. We need fresh life. Can we put up that chart of the tone of the spirit versus the tone of the enemy? Can we put that up? We have our ministry team in the back. If you need prayer, if you're wrestling through something, you're, you're, something's coming up and you can't push through it, we have an amazing ministry team that wants to pray for you. Holy Spirit, would you speak? Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us the things that you have been speaking that we've ignored? The areas that you've been repeating that we've ignored, the things you've called us to do, to let go of, to step into, to acknowledge, to receive, whatever those things are, Holy Spirit, would you repeat those things? And will we have the confidence to respond? Holy Spirit, we just give you permission to clean house. The areas where the enemy's voice has been loud and present and active, Lord, even areas that we've believed the enemy's voice was your voice. Areas that we've, we've received the enemy's voice as your voice. Lord, I pray right now that you would just divide soul from spirit. Holy Spirit, would you show us that your voice is loving, not hateful. Your voice is joyful, not hopeless. Your voice is peaceful, not anxious. Your voice is patient, not hurried. Your voice is kind, not accusing. Your voice is good, 
not confusing. Your voice is faithful, not untruthful. Your voice is gentle, not shaming. Your voice is self-controlled, not pressuring. 